Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Talking about prayer this morning, talking about prayer individually last week, talking about prayer corporately today. What's good? Everybody okay? You guys doing okay? You guys going okay? That's awesome. I, I do, I believe that claps and stuff sometimes can just like let stuff go in your life. You, you ever went to a game or been at a live event and there was interaction and it did something for you and it felt, um, you felt recharged just for a moment in your life and it was like all of the pressures alleviated for that moment when you went to the event. What was the event? We went and saw Avengers at the Breslin Center. It was remarkable. Lasers, you know, Spider-Man coming from there, acrobatic moves. The only thing was a little awkward. Hulk suit was like this, and he couldn't really move. So they, they just put him in the play, like, randomly, and all he did was this because it was just so, everything else was, like, so pro, and then Hulk left, and he did the Hulk smash, and it was awesome. There's no box this morning. You don't even need to break free from a box. There isn't a box. You can let go, and God wants to speak to you this morning. Last week, we talked about how prayer is more geared towards getting to know someone. There's a quote by David Platt that I love. If you pull it up on the screen, that would be outstanding for everybody. We got it. Anyway, not the quote. I don't want to butcher it. I pretty much know it. No, the David Platt quote. Uh, Prayer is more not about getting something, but knowing someone. That one? Yes. The primary purpose of prayer is not to get something, but to know someone. If we see something as greater than the someone, we're always going to pray for the something, right? But if the prize is someone, then our prayers, they shift, they change. And prayer ultimately changes us. We look to how Jesus wrecks the template of how we think we need to pray, which is this, this uninviting, this separated atmosphere where you go to the temple and God's presence is there and we are here and we speak through people. We need to offer sacrifices. And Jesus shows up on the scene and just rips down every wall and barrier. And he makes it like this in Matthew 6. He teaches us how to pray. It says, our Father in heaven, pull that up, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then 14, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. That prayer is tied to repentance, it's tied to forgiving others. And before he teaches us how to pray, he says, go in private and your father will hear you. He knows what you ask before you even come to him. And you don't have to let your words be many, they could be few because it's a heart condition private prayer by yourself, the secret place prayer, no longer is like walkie-talkie prayer 
where you got this cheap little toy with batteries and it's, you know, you're pressing one side, God's pressing the other. If you both press at the same time, you can't hear each other. And it's like, oh, I'm not hearing you, God. You just want to break it. I mean, walkie-talkies last about a week unless you buy really good ones. We bought really good ones here. They didn't even last like two months. And so it's already on the, the buy list. Maybe somebody wants to buy really good walkie-talkies for the church. Not, not, no, no pressure. But we already got to get new walkie-talkies for the church um, because at City Life, we, they, they broke. And it's just like walkie-talkie experience has been uh, cumbersome, if you will. It's been shallow. In my lifetime, that is not prayer. Prayer is like a megaphone. It's intimate. It's close. You can whisper. He hears you. He already knows what you're praying about. He already knows what you're thinking about. And the shame we feel, the, the disconnect we feel, is the sin that we know that separates us from God. But here is the good news this morning. It was never on our own merit, but it was on Jesus's. And he covers us. And we get his life, not ours. And God sees his son who he's pleased in. And then from that picture of seeing Jesus and from us having now access through Jesus to the Father directly, therefore we can pray boldly, we can pray more intimate, and we can pray more alive. And it's exciting. So today we want to talk about praying together. Last week was praying alone. And this is praying together. And we're going to look at a few uh, passage in scripture that I think is going to be awesome. You can turn in Acts chapter 2 if you have your Bible. This won't be on the screen today. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 has been uh, fundamental in um, the pattern of shaping m- my life, Crystal's life, our family's life, city life's life as a community of believers because it is the direct response post Jesus is alive stuff. Not the plays, not, not just the songs you sing, not just Christmas time. Like, he is alive. Like, we sing it, but we came and we came, like, begin to get just get, see how hype you'd get for a moment. I mean, you remember the moment where Jesus shows up and he's, and he's hanging out outside the water and Peter recognizes it's him and he just dives in and he just goes up there? Because he's alive. So the response is, is, is so captivating. It's, it's, it's all consuming. And Peter, I find um, so intriguing because he's, a, he's volatile, so I can feel like I can relate to him a little bit more. Uh, maybe you're like John the Beloved where you're just always on Jesus' lap and you're just resting with him all the time. And it's awesome. God is, you know, and, and, and it, this is so, I, I admire this. I have great friends like this and, and I'm so thankful for them in the body of Christ, all across the globe and here at City Life, that they're just like, oh, daddy, and they're just hanging out with them. Sometimes I'm like Peter. I'm like, hey, the bad guys are here. I'm pulling on a sword. I'm cutting off somebody's ear. Hey, I'm jumping out of the boat. I just walked on water for a minute. Oh my goodness, look at the waves. I'm drowning. What's happening, Jesus? Help me. Like, I'm rolling with you for a minute, and then next thing you know, why am I denying you? What is happening in my life? And I'm just feeling a little bit like this sometimes. Like, if you look at the chart, I, it's been epic highs and like this. And I am so thankful for the consistency some people face in Jesus. But Acts 2 is Peter in it who just gives a sermon. And Jesus calls him the rock that he's going to build his church. Well, what he means by that is Jesus is the one that he's going to build it. But he's going to use Peter. The agape love through Peter. And Peter can only love Jesus like brotherly love because that's all he has. That's all we have. That's all we have. Our love will be shallow unless we let God's love flow through us. 
Jesus's love flow through us, Jesus's love to impact people. One of the coolest interactions I've had in the last couple weeks was uh, at the light. And if anyone was here since the beginning of the church, one, one day we talked about um, that, you know, the guys in the corner with the homeless signs and, and uh, whether it's a scam or what is it, I'm not sure. And, and, and just our, all of our preconceived notions and our stereotypes and how we feel towards them. And, and, and one of the biggest challenges we could do was just get to know someone's name. And I'm at the light. I don't have any money, uh, cash. And it's that awkward moment, you know, where you try to act like, you know, you're looking for something in your glove compartment. And it's cold. And you're thinking, oh, well, it's going to go green in a minute anyway. So I'll just get out of here. And then you're just out of here. You're like, God didn't call me to do it. It must have been somebody else. And, you know, he should really get a job. And, um, and so I just rolled down my window. And I said, hey, what's your name? He told me his name. I said, hey, I just want to tell you, I don't have any cash on me right now, but you're a person, you're loved by God, and there's a greater story for you, and I'm not sure what it is. Um, I got to go. I'm going to my son's basketball practice, but I just want to tell you, you know, hey, you're important. Roll up the window. It was the most genuine, sincere thank you I've seen. He was just like, thank you, and he just kept saying it. And I wasn't sweet. I was challenged by the very thing God used me to preach. And uh, that's what happens when you, when you meet Jesus. You start seeing things differently. Peter met Jesus. He knew Jesus, followed Jesus, gives a sermon. And here's the response to the sermon in verse 42. Verse 42, Acts 2.42, real popular. There's even churches named after it. 2.42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship uh, to the breaking of the bread and to the prayers. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Sermon preached, massive response. People are devoting themselves to a greater kingdom. They're devoting devoting themselves to a king that's worth it. Not to something that will fade away, but to someone that's alive. Why would they sell everything? Why would they give everything? Why would they start to bring it all together and start trusting this ecclesial structure where they have leadership that is serving them and then they go on and they start helping the poor and they endure persecution. They even have to flee after this. Why? It's because they found something that was worth more than the day-to-day. They found what their origin, their origin was the intention of the reason we're made. It's to be with God, to be connected with God. And so therefore, they start learning. They want to know all about the scriptures. You read the Bible, and then, and then you, you see that indent part, and, and it quotes, like, the words, in, and God's word says. And then it quotes something in the Old Testament, and you don't know if you should go back there and read it, or maybe you've never even read the Bible, so that will be a tip for when you go. And what that is doing, though, is this. The reason the Bible references the Bible, because it's the word of God. It's not just this, 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 this pages here that some of us have in a shrine at our home and we can't write in. It's something that you can, you can, you can hold, you can have different copies. You can, um, there's people that have devoted their life for the translation of every single word. And that's the response of what's taking place to people being blown away by the grace of God. That, that they're, they're, they don't have this disconnect anymore that Jesus has set them free. And then the people that crucified Jesus are the ones that are being added to this kingdom now. 
They're the ones that's being added to this fellowship. These are the ones that are changing their lifestyle, changing their patterns, changing their jobs, changing everything that they ever thought of. And that doesn't mean we all have to. It just means that now we're asking different questions. And when they're breaking bread, they're remembering Jesus. Communion can get so um, religious, if you will. The term religion by itself is not bad. It just means like a follow of beliefs, and, um, and Jesus actually, you know, uh, uh, God's word, uh, true religion is to visit those in time of need, you know, orphans and those in prison. That, so religion isn't bad, but what we think of religion is. Like words, they change, slang, uh, it develops over time. And most of, most of America views religion as a routine, right? A checkbox. Check I did it this week. I'm in. It's awesome. Paid my dues, put it in an hour. <laughs> All right, back to whatever. That was cool, God. Thank you. God doesn't want an hour. He just wants all of us. He wants it all. So when they're breaking bread, it's they're remembering the body that was broken for them, and they're remembering the blood that was shed for them. Because newsflash, we're all sinners and we're all broken. And when you find that we can be forgiven and that somebody loves you through the mess, somebody loves you through the highs and the lows, life changes. That's Acts 2. And that's the pattern you see. The whole book of Acts written by Luke, who's a doctor who did not follow Jesus. And he says that he gave very detailed account. He interviewed a lot of eyewitnesses. And that, that's exciting because what that does is it reaffirms this faith that we feel. It reaffirms it. Okay, you have eyewitnesses there and you have this holy text and he's giving account for the church history of, of things that are taking place in that, you know, the, 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 the 70 plus whatever years um, in that era. Like, wow, this is what's happening. They're moving from this city. They're going here. The gospel's spreading. I mean, how does the gospel spread from 12 people to us being in the school right now? Come on. Like, how does that happen? Is it really just politics and agendas and diplomacy and, and uh, you know, all this hit, uh, hidden motives that is it or is it possible he is who he said he is? It's B. It is so B. It is so B. It's so B. It's not a crux. You know, some people be like, oh, I'm so happy for you that you found Jesus. And it's like, God, it makes me sound like such a wimp. You know, you're right. I am a wimp. I do need Jesus. But Come on, either he is who he said he is, or we are of all people to be most pitied. So if you came in this place today, maybe you don't know God at all, it's okay. Um, if, 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 if you think we're, we're, we're insane, uh, well, we would be if this isn't true. But we believe it is true, and that's why 2016, even the calendar points back to Jesus. It doesn't point back to anybody else. And this is exciting. And here's what they were doing. Teaching, fellowship, bread, the body, communion, prayers. They were praying together. You heard the quote, a family that prays together stays together? Why? You know, like behind every proverb or even some myth, there's some truth. And that quote's not, you know, verbatim in the Bible, but it is so complementing to a truth that's in the Bible. It's this. We're a family right now. And this is being used to stir us up. 
It's being used to bring some people into the flock, into the fold, in, back home, connected with God and connected with people. That's the whole purpose of everything. It's not so that we can um, think we're better than people. And in fact, once we come into this family of God through Jesus, now we're actually, uh, we're, we realize how much we need grace. So now we're, 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 we're so inspired to go reach people no matter where they come from, no matter what their background is. And we're challenged to forgive. I feel like every phone call I'm, uh, I meet somebody, or I mean, uh, when my first year of walking with Jesus, if you will, it was, I'm sorry. <laughs> that was like my, my ever for a year straight. It was just, I'm sorry. And that's been a pattern in our marriage at times too. I'm sorry. And uh, um, even last week when I, my, my buddy, he, he entered eternity and I had the opportunity to speak at the funeral and a family comes up to me. They said, Jerome Veerling, I haven't seen you since you were a kid and you egged my house. I was like, oh man, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Don't get any ideas. Don't egg anybody's house. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Because we now change our motives and therefore we pray together. And we pray together and what it does is this, brings us together because we're a family. We are a family. Maybe you never felt like you were connected to a family ever. That's why to really see who Jesus is becomes so, so inviting, so captivating. Don't meet a Bible. Meet the author of the Bible. And then you want to get to know him. You don't want to date someone forever through an online site, do you? Eventually you want to get to know them. Oh, you know, it was so amazing reading your bio. Getting to know you is so much worse. Your bio, though, that's all I wanted to read. Your bio, it was incredible. I loved reading your bio. Your bio online was so, 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 so all I needed. Your bio. I could go on for a while. Your bio. We don't want the bio, do we? We want the real thing. And therefore, then you start wanting to learn the bio. And you stay up late night and you talk on the phone and you're getting to know that's just like God. I pray today that somebody who came in this place that never knew that God could be this personal, never knew that Jesus wants to be you know, in the room all the time with you. He sits there and sometimes he sits in the corner just like longing. And other times he comes Real close, because we're like letting him. Sometimes we're pushing him away. Acts chapter 12. Let's go to 12. Here's what um, some corporate prayer looks like. This is one of my favorite corporate prayer um, stories ever. And Peter, right? So Peter gives the sermon. Peter's probably part of that first crew where they're devoting themselves to praying. And now Peter is going to be imprisoned. Verse 5, we'll pick it up from there. 12, 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. And just a few sentences before that, says verse 2, that, that Herod killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. That's not a good day. That's not. That's not a day you prayed for. You prayed for the Acts 2 when... 
all these people are in awe and they're added to the kingdom. It's great. We're singing songs and we're sharing our money and our possessions and we're hanging out. And then now Herod's got his game face on, kills one of the Christians and then grabs Peter and puts him in prison. But the church is earnestly praying constantly to God. Us. Six, now when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains. And centuries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him and light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did. And he said to them, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real. That's fair. Sleeping, in prison, singing. God, you know, you're amazing. This is challenging. But man, you're amazing. This is so challenging. You're amazing. The angels are here. Wow. Is this real? You ever had those type of dreams that you think they're so real? One time, I, one time I hung out with Tupac in a dream. It was so real. He did not know what was being done when the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first gate and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. And it opened up for him and it was on its own accord. And they went out and went along on the street. And immediately the angel left him. And Peter came to himself, which is really cool. You know, some people say they, uh, they've been visited by angels or they, they talk to the dead. And, and at some point, um, we've all been tempted by this because we, we, we love um, family members and in and, 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 and the realm of spirituality, we don't, we can't fully begin to see if it's, it conceive it's a mystery. But anytime you ever interact with an angel, they're, it's, it's, it, in the scriptures, never takes glory, always points to God, and sometimes just jets. That's a good indicator. It's a good, it's a good you know, filter if it's an angel. And when Peter came to himself, he said, now I'm sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. And when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. A family that prays together stays together. They're praying. And they're praying because one of their own, one of their homeboys is in prison. That's like worth praying about. My homie's in prison. And he didn't do anything. He didn't do it. And that, that stirs something up. And, and, and you're asking God, God, move, God, move, God, move. But you're compelled, not just by the results, you're compelled by the love. You're compelled by the person. You're compelled by the someone. Because you know the someone cares. So you're, you're invading and you're praying. And we're praying together corporately. And it's bringing unity. And there's so uh, many nuances of prayer. There's, there's humility. There's unity. The posture that God can answer. Sometimes there's suffering through it. Lament. So many different things. And then verse 13. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Rhoda's awesome. Recognizing Peter's voice, in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. Have you ever prayed for anything and God answered it? You ever prayed for something and God answered it? Yeah. And it was kind of sometimes when you, maybe even unexpected. You had something stir up in you and then a prayer gets answered 
it, it seemed impossible, and then, it, then it's answered, and you're just so excited. In 2004, we recorded an album, and the next day was the album release, and the CDs were coming. In the music realm, there's most deadlines always happen the last second. It's just how it happens, last second, all the time. And we were told that this huge snowstorm would make the CDs not get there, and then at the CD release party, we um, wouldn't have the CDs for. So we're thinking of plan B, but something in me just rose up. It's like, there is no way. We're praying. I called the UPS people. They're like, look, even if you brought the marshal, uh, if you brought the National Guard, you're not getting your CDs. I was like, you're right. And we're not bringing the National Guard. We're bringing the Holy Spirit. We're getting the CDs. Click. And I just, I went in, and everyone I called, everyone I called was like instantly just thinking in the natural. And I called some people. I'm like, look, I know this is crazy, but we're going to believe in faith that God can do something just so big, so big. Uh, we're going to get there somehow. And I called, I called, I called. And this one lady finally answers. And she goes, she goes, how did you get this number? I said, hey, that's so relevant. Let me just tell you what's going on. Because someone gave me like, they're like, do not tell this number. It was to the back. It was in the warehouse, just a direct phone that only people that work for UPS get. And, and I, I was like, look, I told the story. And she goes, okay, we'll do this. I can't promise anything, but I will see if they will stay on, and, and unload a whole semi for your boxes. A whole semi for my eight boxes, a semi a semi. And she uh, said, you just got to be here at this time. So we drive um, the, the car lot. Let me take a four by four. God bless Gillies. And we drove, Crystal and I, praying the whole time, God, let us get there safely. This is ridiculous. Why did we do this? Is it that deep? But there's just something stirring up in us that we believed it was possible. We got the CDs, came back. And, and people were, that I called, they were like quite, quite in shock. Can't believe God showed up because he's often not on time the way we want him, but he's always on time the way he does it. And he uses it to stir up faith. And that's exactly what happened here. Here's what they said to her. Get this. They were praying for Peter, remember? They said this, you are out of your mind. But she kept insisting that is so. They kept saying, it is, an, it is his angel. But Peter continued knocking. And when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of prison. And he said, tell these things to James and to the brothers. Then he departed and he went to another place. Acts 12. Peter in prison. People prayed. My favorite part though, is that when God answered the prayer, it showed how human they were. This is where it's freeing for us, you guys. Sometimes we're praying for things, and then when they happen, we can't even believe it. We're in shock. We doubt it so much, we're in shock. That is so comforting today. That is so liberating because you don't have to possess this huge faith that can move a mountain. It's just Jesus that can do it. He can answer the prayer according to his will and his purposes. He can do it. And then when we tap in because we are excited. We understand that nothing comes but by prayer. And here's what prayer does. This is the big, big idea this morning. When we pray together, it shows our utter dependence on the one who can solve everything. Uh, yeah. Okay, cool. That's cool. That's good. We love you. We can clap for him. It's him. When we pray together, it shows our utter dependence on the one who can solve everything. Our utter dependence. That's what prayer does. I live too much of my life not praying. I just go. And he gives us the opportunity. He gives us the abilities to rule and to go and to move, right? 
But he also wants to be involved the whole time. Some things that I've spent five hours thinking about and planning about, I've spent five minutes in prayer and God solves. He solves. And when we pray together, he hears. And we're communicating the posture that we need, that we're frail, that we need him and we need each other. And then when we pray together, we stay together and we're unified. And we're unified not because we can agree on things, it's because he is, he is one. And just like Jesus prayed, he prayed this, that they would be one, us, as you and I are one. That's our prayer this morning, that you and me would be one in him, that we'd have one spirit, one accord, that we would see him. That in our differences of race, our differences in um, economic status, our differences and background and culture and likes and interests, that we would come together unified in Jesus. And that's what's so freeing. That's what's so, so it's so convicting to go serve people and live uh, in a way that pleases God. So I think it's only fitting that we close praying together. Um, praying together in response to the one who's praying for us. And when we pray together, good things happen. Before we started this church, we prayed a bunch. And all, I remember we, our biggest prayer was, let us tutor at Eastern. Just let us go there, please, Lord. And I went there and I got to talk to the principal. And she, she tells this story. She's like, uh, first day I met you, I just was laughing because you're like, you're going to help. And uh, people are going to come from all over the nation and help us. And she goes, I'll be honest. I was thinking, what are you talking about? And, and, the, and then her coworkers were like, why are you so, uh, why are you so discouraging to that kid? Because I was just, because she's, she's always probably got people telling her they're going to help. And I didn't want to be that. That's why we prayed and we prayed beforehand because we knew we utterly, we saw this need. We wanted to help. And we were not the heroes. They're the heroes. We want to help and we want to serve them and lift up their arms. And then over time, God made a way and that we were able to go in there, not just go in there like, hey, Jesus, Jesus, go in there. There's people. They need help with tutoring and, and just practically. You need us to clean the closet and you need us to, to, to help out with the outside and the, and the, and the lawn. And, and that's how practically this stuff fleshes out. Like when you pray, your, your desires change. Your, what you're gonna do with your money changes. Where you're gonna live changes. It's so cool. It is so cool. It is awesome like that. It doesn't just happen just like that. And sometimes once God answers our prayers, we might even not believe it. I saw a picture this week on Facebook. It's a, it's a person walking, and they were like, well, God's not with me, and their head was down. And it showed all these angels, like, pushing back all this, you know, darkness in their life that they didn't see. One time I was late for an appointment, and a buddy of mine said, hey, maybe you were late because something was going to happen. And it was 2002 in the championship game Maybe you can relate to this, maybe you can't. But the championship game, Ohio State versus Miami, and, and I think it was double overtime. And at halftime, it's a pretty big ordeal because my dad is from Ohio. And anyone who's from Ohio, you know Ohio people are just fanatics and a little, like, just right now someone's blood is raising and there's the hair and just like, oh my goodness, yeah, those people from Ohio, I can't get it, right? Ohio, I hate Ohio State, right? All that stuff. And I'm at halftime and I felt like I needed to pray. And this big moment in our family's like, you know, trajectory. As kids, we're gonna, we're gonna, you know, cheer for Ohio State. And at halftime, I was compelled to pray. And here's what God showed me. Most of my life, I, I wondered why things happened or 
disappointments or letdowns or mistakes I made or mistakes others made to me. me and I just was, you know, just, it didn't go how I wrote. Like I wrote, I'd be in the NBA and my home would be perfect and I'd have a lot of money and life would be easy and I'd get to play video games all day. I wrote that. And then, O2, on my face, you know what God did to me? He showed me all these moments in my life that he was there and I didn't know it. He was there the whole time. I didn't know it. I didn't know it. The whole time. So you think that God hasn't been there when it was so hard. You think he doesn't get it. He's been there the whole time. You wouldn't want to see when he wasn't there. You wouldn't. You wouldn't want to see. Because when God's not there and he removes his hand, it gets way worse. You wouldn't want to see it. When God's not there, he can swallow, like, cities. And he can destroy things. And he can do that rightfully because he's good and he's just and he's perfect. And we're broken. And he works things all out. For his glory. And the last thought I have before we'll pray is this. Um, the, the greatest prayer, if you will, could ever be is this. God, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Um, and that's what happens when you see Jesus. You say, I'm a sinner. And he says, come here. You say, well, you don't get it. I'm an adulterer. I'm a murderer in my heart. Or even worse yet, I've been a part of things that I can't tell people. Or, you know what? I, I cheat at work uh, with my money and my time. And you don't know how much unforgiveness I have in my heart. And Jesus says, no, I see it all. And he says, come here. Come here. You can have a new start. But you got to lose your life. It may cost you everything, but it's worth it. There's an interaction with the king. He's a young, rich ruler, and he missed it, and he went away sad. But the followers of Jesus, who were, weren't of the chosen crowd, and Jesus easily could have picked the chosen crowd, because we see later that Paul, which was Saul, he was of power and prestige. And Apollos, he was very well-trained, but Jesus chose the 12, and they were kind of like the misfits and the rugged um, and he chose it, I think, ultimately to show the power and who he really came for. He didn't come for the healthy. He came for the sick. So if you were like, I'm healthy, well, man, that, 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 you're not, you don't qualify. We can't relate anymore. If you're like, no, I don't need God. Well, then we can't relate. I need God. You need God. We are sinners. We're broken. That's the greatest prayer you could ever say is, God, forgive me. I'm a sinner. And then we pray together and we say, Jesus, come on, move. Let's pray. God, we want to pray together and unite, unite uh, ultimately for your glory and your purposes. God, we want to unite in the things that matter to you most, which are people. When they're in jail, your people when they're, they're famined, your people when they cry, when they lose loved ones. And God, you care and you hear. God, don't be silent. We remember you. You've shown up many times. And even when you didn't show up, there's a reason. And we saw that later. And there's things in our life right now that we don't realize and we don't get and we don't understand how they're playing out and how they're manifesting. We don't see all the dots connecting. But we have utter dependence on you. And we pray together because we need each other. We pray together for the city. We pray together for the state, for this nation and this world. And God, we pray that you would come back Come quickly. 
but not one person would be left out. Breathe your grace into our families, into our marriages, into our friendships, and our jobs, and all the challenges that come. The epic highs like Acts chapter 2 where Peter is used by you to preach and many were added to the family but then later he's in prison but you showed up increase our expectation for the one who shows up increase God right now we surrender we submit we give up we can't do it this week I pray that you would remind all of us, God, to come together, to pray, and show our dependence on you, the things we're trusting you for, for next year, for years to come, the issues we have. We would let go and let you be in control of our lives. pray this through you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.